I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Welcome to The Trader, a Traitor's Podcast. My name's Matthew and I'm a writer working in TV development and I am a handy faithful. The Trader features deep dives into every episode of the multi-award winning hit TV competition series The Traitors, as well as interviews with contestants from the shows. And this is season three of the podcast dedicated to The Traitors Australia. We are on the final countdown to the end of the season. And joining me today to help explore episode 10 is returning co-host Joe Usher. Joe hosted episode 2 of this season with me and is back for more. Joe is a huge Traitors fan, a pop culture aficionado and knows everything there is to know about X-Men which he posts about on Instagram. Joe, welcome back. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much. Um, Have you... Now, we last spoke to talk about episode 2, which is a while back now. How yeah. have you been enjoying the season since then? Love it. It's addictive. It's fun. It's full of drama. And I just, it's just, it's probably the best cast in a way. It's everything I think the US would have been without the slabs, but this is just so entertaining. Yeah. Which sounds awful because after the book fashion up and it's happens fast, <laughs> but you're like enjoying people turmoil. But now it's brilliant. I love it. I agree. And today we're going to talk about episode 10, which is another really big episode in the season. Uh, Before we get there, I am going to introduce our game, The Trader Traitor. Joe, you've obviously played this game before, but for the listeners, Mm -hmm. here's how it works. Our goal throughout the episode from here on in is to tell a lie to one another. The lie has to be a fabrication, a made-up fact, big or small. It could be about the show. It could be about yourself. For example, Mm -hmm. you could tell me that the producers originally made the traitors choose four people for death row this episode, not three, but that they had to stop filming and restart again. However, your lie can't be a fake opinion, like saying you think the traitors made a bad decision about who they put on death row. At the end of the episode, we will then put our traitor hunting skills to the test and decide what we thought the other person's lie was. Joe, I think this is our third time now, right? Are you ready yeah. to play again for the third time? Yeah, and let's see if I can pull it up like I did last time. 
Here we go then. We are going to talk about episode 10 of The Traitors Australia. So we begin the episode with a recap of what came before. We're reminded that they started off with 24 players and now we're down to the final seven. And the big focus of the last episode was Marielle's ambush banishment when she was blindsided and sent on her way. Um, and so the only traitors left now are Alex and Nigel. And at the end of the last episode, this idea of death row was introduced. So the traitors have to choose three players to put on death row. And at the end of this episode, one of those three will be chosen to be murdered. And the players, the faithful, will know who those three people are on death row. What do you think about this, the whole death row thing, Joe? I love it. It's very, um, it's very, um, I think it keeps everyone on the toes. And I think the UK has a similar version of death row, as it was called death row, yeah. but it was yeah. very, it's ironic the US lads didn't have one because yeah. it's more than a But I like it because I think it just adds an element, but there is a bit of it that really confused me, but I'll get on start in a bit. Okay. Um, when you open the letters, but no, it just, I think it was a good, it just adds a bit of a twist. And again, the traits aren't getting too cut short. It makes, again, because we've all said it is in their favor, kind of makes them think you can't just murder everyone. You've got to kind of wait a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, and in the UK, they just called it like on trial. They said you're going to put three players on trial. So death row is a bit more, a bit more intense. So. Yeah. We start off at breakfast then. Craig is first to arrive today. Um, the more I watch, the more I really love Craig. Um, he's so buzzing to arrive first. He's buzzing that they caught Marielle last night. He talks about Nigel and how close they are. Um, and obviously we know he shouldn't trust Nigel, but it's still really lovely to see they've got this great friendship. He says, I believe at this stage in the game I can trust him. I mean, he's totally wrong, but um, I think they've they've fostered a friendship outside of the show, which is really nice. And Craig and Nigel talk a little bit at breakfast. They say that they are focused on Lewis. Kate arrives next. She can't believe she's still here um, because she helped lead Marielle's banishment. So she would have been like a prime target for murder, but she's arrived. She can't believe it. They think then that probably Teresa is going to be the person murdered this morning because she was also such a big part of the blind side of Marielle. Um, so, you know, maybe the traitors will want to get revenge on her. What did you think about Marielle's blind side in that last episode? Brilliant. And I'm glad they didn't get rumbled once because that's the one thing in this show everyone has clicked more. So there's always one person whispering to one, they've run off and be like, so and it was just nice that they actually trusted each other because that could have went so many different ways. Um, but yeah, I think Mario plays a blinder and again I respect Nigel for not stabbing her, even though he's done it, but I think Harlot's doing what she did was very clever and she is showing how this game needs to be played. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was fun and Nigel and Craig having a little relationship is quite nice. I don't know how they're eaten because I don't think I've <laughs> never seen people so excited to see food. I feel like, oh. 
Alex arrives next then, and I think she's acting so well. So she's this is her sort of second full episode as a traitor after being recruited. She's doing a really good job. Um, she talks about she talks to everyone at the table and she's so convincing. She says she can't believe Maria was a traitor and she was just too close to her to see the truth. She feels like she's an idiot for trusting Marielle and she's just Someone give her an Oscar, honestly. If they could give Oscars for reality TV performances, <laughs> Alex needs one right away. Um, and then we cut to Nigel in his sort of interview. And Nigel's saying, well, he doesn't fully trust Alex now because she turned on Marielle and he's thinking, is she about to do the same to me? But he thinks it's not the right time to do anything about it just yet. This I've, I've made a little note here that this makes me think... It was probably really foolish to recruit Alex. Um, <laughs> Nigel and Marielle said more than once that they had basically recruited her as cannon fodder. They'd recruited her because they thought they could then just get rid of her. But they picked one of the worst people for this because no one has ever been suspicious of Alex. So it's not, it would never have been that easy to suddenly turn things on Alex and make the other players want to banish her. So actually, choosing Alex as cannon fodder, as they call it, was seems really misguided to me, do you think? Definitely. I think the two people they wanted, which I believe was Alex, and then they just had Case, <laughs> two of the worst choices, because they're the most <laughs> cleverest in this game. If you want the cannon fodder, why don't you go for Craig Lewis? Theresa even, or some of Theresa, but why would you go for them when, again, Alex is just fitting in perfectly, she's, I don't even think it's acting, I kind of think she's just doing it naturally, it just comes across as acting because she's a traitor. Paul arrives next at breakfast, and amazingly, Paul gets more than two seconds of screen time, he even gets like a couple of lines in his interview, which is very rare, and that this is Probably legitimately the first time I realised Paul was English. I hadn't even realised before now, oh, this guy's not got an Australian accent. That's how much he has been edited out of the show. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, Teresa arrives after that. And so Kate's totally shocked. Um, and Teresa's got this phrase that she says when she comes into breakfast. Usually she always goes, are we happy to see me? And it really makes me laugh. Then it, we realise that Lewis isn't there. Uh, because they they kind of suspect Lewis is one of their suspects. So Teresa thinks, wait a minute, Lewis isn't here. She says to Kate, well, that throws us off because they're thinking, wait a minute, Lewis isn't here. He's been murdered. We thought he was a traitor. What's going on? But they only get a couple of minutes to talk about this because then Lewis does arrive and everyone is very confused because it seems like no one has been murdered. So Roger arrives in his leather bomber jacket I think it's like it's like this uh, the same jacket he was wearing on the motorbike at the start of the plane landing challenge. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if it's the same one. And he tells them that there was neither a murder nor recruitment last night. And then he dishes out these letters. Now I know that uh, you what you had you wanted to say something about the letters. What are your thoughts? Right. So one, I don't know why Nigel didn't put himself up because it makes the trade, or even Alex, because it makes them look like faithful even more. Also, with the banishment coming, 
it's almost like they forgot there was a banishment happening in the night time because they were just so desperate to distract everything. I'm like, you still could get banished. So these letters kind of null and void if someone that you put a letter on goes. So that was a bit confusing. But yeah, it was, I did, <laughs> Kate made me laugh out loud. <laughs> when she was like, you and then she opened it like a girl and then it was all, oh. Yeah, for the first line, and then Sadie's was like, "I want a lesson," and then yeah. it was like, "I was just that was one of the funny." I literally first started laughing watching that scene where she was just like, "Like, yay!" It was like, "Oh, it's so adorable." Yeah, I have written quite a lot down here about purely about Teresa's like commentary on the letters because because of Teresa's accent, which I am in love with. She oh. pronounces letter and this really interesting way and she goes where's my letter i want a letter and then 30 seconds later kate reads the letter aloud and we just cut back to Teresa going oh my god i do not want a letter i do not want a letter it's a death row letter um so i oh. laughed so much just listening to Teresa oh, talk there exactly. like you said kate's livid uh craig <laughs> is completely shook there's like a nanosecond shot of paul they have their letters now and at this point we get Craig's backstory, um, even though we're, we're so far into the season, we're only just finding out, like, who's Craig? What's his deal? It reminded me of The Apprentice. Um, like, when, at, at the start of The Apprentice, in the first episode, usually you see all the candidates and you see what, what's, their, what's their story and what business do they have? What career do they come from? So we find out it's mostly focused on Craig and his career. He's a business coach. He says his main skill set is reading people. I'm not sure it's working incredibly well so far, but then he's not really in the real world, so it's a totally different scenario than he's used to. It's yeah, it's it's strange that we're getting backstories when we're we're kind of almost at the end of the season and we're only just finding out about some people. Like, what do you make of the way that happens? Oh, it's it is interesting, and again, I said in episode two, a lot of this has been really editors, so I wanted it. Because now he's getting shown, which to me, it's a shame because he is a good player. And again, I feel most people's jobs, like again, the environment is important, but a lot of people have gone, I'm a lawyer, I'm this, and it's like, well, you're not doing a good job. I think only one person, Mark, was nailing it. Um, but I appreciated it because it made him, when I watched that flashback, it made me think, he's a contender for this because he's got a bit of fight in him in that, whereas when he's in the show, he's Justin Nigel, which might be a good thing, might not be, um, and stuff like that. But I think it really made them more, felt like you got to know him a bit, because where people go, I don't know Paul, I genuinely, for a while ago, was going, who's Craig and Alex? Because Alex had the same issue a few weeks, yeah. a few episodes prior. Yeah. And you've just reminded me as well, you mentioned Mark. So Mark was a big character in the show and left... Mm -hmm fairly early which is a shame because he was funny mm -hmm. and he was really lively and this might be a good time to mention that Mark is we're, we're going to try and do an interview with Mark as well mm -hmm. even though he's he's gone for now and he went a while ago because Mark's such a great character um we'll we'll do a bonus interview at some point because oh, I I nice. want to hear Mark's thoughts about how he was finding the traitors so well um mm -hmm. and obviously Mark basically created the name of this podcast so i feel like i have to interview mark uh, so at some point that that will be coming 
So in the episode then, we move on to the Silver Challenge. Uh, we're in the cars, and Alex points out that she's voted out every single traitor so far. So she's in an amazing position, because what what better way of proving yourself to be a faithful than to be able to say, well, every all three of the traitors so far, Marielle, Angus, Claire, I voted for every one of them on their banishment night. So she looks pretty good you know she's a unlikely suspect as a traitor at this point of course she wasn't a traitor all along but hey Teresa, kate craig and alex are in a car together and they're trying to figure out who the late recruit was um and mary they know it's not marielle because in her banishment she said i was a traitor from the start that was kind of those were kind of her last words before she walked out um and they know that there are probably more than two original traitors anyway. They've basically figured out there's there's still at least one traitor left and they want to know who the recruit was. Kate suggests maybe it's Nigel. And Alex is in the car, so she has to kind of react to this and respond. And Kate and Teresa noticed that Nigel had spoken to Craig about the Marielle blindside plan yet didn't then go and vote for her so they think that this is quite odd so their, their attention's on Nigel meanwhile in the other car we've got Lewis, Nigel and Paul and Lewis is asking who they're suspicious of apart from him because he knows that some people are suspicious of him and the conversation sort of comes around to Teresa maybe that's who they might be looking at so we get to the, sil- the main part of the silver challenge and it's the art gallery uh, Roger says to them that Interpol has his fingerprints and he can't do any more thieving, so he needs the players to help lift a bunch of items from some plinths. And he goes, easy, right? But then there's lasers! The lasers appear! And and we've seen... It's funny because this is basically the one challenge that was in the other two English-speaking versions of the Traitors. Mm-hmm. Most of the challenges are completely different. But we had lasers in the other... So I guess... Uh, you know, Traitors Australia came first. I, I guess when uh, uh, Studio Lambert and NBC were making the UK and US ones, they were like, hey, we like the laser thing. We'll copy that one, but none of the others. Uh, do you like this task? Do you like the mission? Do you know what I do? I actually feel they watched it and thought, let's make this easier for the contestants <laughs> because give it diabolical. <laughs> so it was when you seen the lasers, I remember watching it this time on the first time and thinking, oh my God, this seems so much harder. <laughs> um, and the rules were different because I don't want to go ahead um, in the sense, but it was basically, they were able to just use the same person over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, if that was in the UK, and it would have been interesting if they changed this to the way we do it now, <laughs> it would have been interesting to see them build no prize off of the phones. Because I think that will cause more tension. I was kind of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, t- Teresa immediately just says, "I'm oh. never going to fit between these lasers. This is bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> so it's Nigel who begins. Um, also, oh, you actually you said that it's a little bit different, and one of the reasons it's different is because the lasers are moving in this one. Well, some of the lasers are moving, but Nigel does. Amazingly, he picks up this big massive glass vase and gets it all the way out. He does such a good job. Mm-hmm. 
Lewis fails a couple of times. Kate references uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and the film Entrapment, which is the only correct reference because I uh, have a weird obsession with that film. <laughs> have you seen Entrapment? No, I haven't. But I was thinking more of Charlie's Angels with Cameron Zia. I, I do love Charlie's Angels as well. I, I, I recommend watching um, Entrapment. It's... <laughs> It's from like 1999 or something, so it's probably quite dated now, but it's uh, it's just 90s-tastic. I love oh. it. Catherine Zeta-Jones, <laughs> Sean Connery, weird age difference relationship, uh, but good fun, really good fun. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, Teresa um, <laughs> makes another really funny comment. <laughs> she's, she's talking in her interview. She goes, <laughs> Paul's bollocks, Craig's bollocks, Kate did okay, but then she was bollocks as well. <laughs> so, um, everyone is just like flopping at this challenge <laughs> until Nigel goes again and is amazing and again and again. And it, like, what the hell? He's so good at this. Um, Paul gets a little bit more screen time and we have to savor mm -hmm. these moments when we get some Paul screen time. Yep. He says that Nigel is a ninja or that he's like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible and he is. Um, yeah. I wonder if my maybe it's like more mental than physical. Maybe because Nigel's so cool in a crisis because of his job and his past. Yeah. Maybe he's really good under pressure, so the lasers don't yeah. phase him. That's that's my theory that I'm going with. Or he's just like really athletic. Maybe it's just that too. Mm -hmm. Roger says then that by the end they've been a great team. Of one. <laughs> so shady <laughs> of Roger. I love these yeah. really shady lines they give yeah. him. Um, but he's right. Nigel basically wins all the money for them here. Yeah. Does Alex have a devil on them lasers? I can't remember. I think if she she does, but we probably see a split second of it. No, because I was thinking, I was like, I'd love to see Nigel and Andy from the US do that, because they both nail that challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see this challenge done next season with the rules of the others, because there was a part of me thinking, it feels like there's no risk and reward, which is to me what these challenges have all been, except that one's like, Nigel, you killed us many times. And I was like... I wish in a way he couldn't because it is about as more risk in everyone's mind then. Yeah, yeah. So we are back in the cars after mm -hmm. the challenge. And it's funny because they 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 celebrated how well Nigel did and so quickly it's just right back to traitor hunting yeah. discussion. Nigel's trying to get everyone focused on Lewis and he keeps saying he's got this sort of storyline that he's trying to pimp out to everybody. He says that Lewis looked really panicked and pale at the last banishment. So he's kind of trying to cling on to that. And they also start to talk about the shield and they say, well, if we're our eyes are on Lewis, but what if Lewis wins the shield? Who's our plan B going to be? Who are we going to vote for if not Lewis? So it's they've got this sort of conundrum to face. Nigel is also still scared that Alex is going to stab him in the back if need be. So he's determined to win the shield and we've seen that before with nigel yeah. uh and the the lake challenge when they could win a shield and nigel was right in there first mm -hmm. so he's ready to go again if he needs yeah. to uh it's that's probably pretty wise because mm -hmm. alex is strategizing in her interview yeah. about how she can pin things on nigel so she's thinking well i can tell everybody to think about 
what we've just said about the fact that he went for the shield way too hard in the late challenge. Mm -hmm. And she says, leading from behind, that's how you be a traitor. It's actually scary how good she is at this. She has not been a traitor for long and she's slotted <laughs> into the role so cleverly. She's mm. she's completely in the zone. She's got it. I mean, I could throttle Nigel at times. Like, in that car, he was saying Teresa. Then he was saying Lewis, which he just said to Lewis, he'd go with Teresa. The biggest name you should have said is Alex. Because she wasn't that, she's not that far off throwing you under the bus from the other car. Yeah. So why isn't he thinking Alex when she is literally, and he's seen a chop Marielle out. And when you look at him, you think, you can see him sweating. And it's like, well, she's not in the car with you. If you're looking for the name, Cerise and Lewis aren't realistically any threats. She is. And if you're out, then you're not going to win that money, which the way she's playing at the minute, she's kind of a front runner at the moment. But again, it's just, it just made me think, you can see he's not doing as good because I think if this was an episode two or ago, these are gone in house. Yeah. The, the only suggestion I can make is that he doesn't put Alex's name out there because I think he probably just knows it's not going to catch on. I think he, he probably sees that everybody really likes Alex and she's never done anything to make yeah. herself a sit. So I think he maybe just thinks, I could try and get people on Alex, but they're probably not going to buy it. The Whereas, yeah, at least with, yeah, and it, yeah, you're right. It could, it could get back. What if, what if he puts Alex's name out there? Someone goes straight to Alex and goes, you know, Nigel's talking about you. That's that's going to be bad too. So maybe it's just like, this, I this mean, is pointless. I'll just go for someone who I can come up with a good reason to get get eyes on them. I mean, she is. She's fantastic. She is. And again, I don't count City in the same way she had on TV, but a girl that has had no experience in any of it, she is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, doing such a good job. Now we are on to our second challenge of the episode because we have the shield challenge. This is a sort of combination of metal detection, digging, and then a giant puzzle, a giant jigsaw thing. Um, a jigsaw thing. It's it's the shape of a shield. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, and of course, again, the shield protects you from both murder and banishment. However... Because of the whole death row scenario, there only mm -hmm. are three people who could be murdered. Which means that some people are only playing to be safe from banishment. Like, some of the players know they're not going to be murdered tonight because they're not in death row. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if it crossed anyone's mind to just not try that hard and think, do you know what, I'll just let the three players in death row go for this one because they need it more than I do. Mm -hmm. So... I'll just sit. But then again, only one person can win it. So even if exactly. one of the death row people win it, there's still, there's then only two people. So that's, mm. so, I, I don't know. I just wonder if anyone thought, I don't really need this for murder. I yeah. don't think I'm going to be banished. I'm not going to try that hard. Well, it didn't stop them with the lake one when not half of them didn't even go in the lake. I would not have done the <laughs> challenge because I'd have been using that thing as a weapon and probably got to break it. So I'd have just give up within seconds. Because, like you say, you've just got to think, this one I meant before, it's almost like everyone's forgot the word banishment, and it was mentioned, I was like, oh, thank God, people are thinking of banishment, but 
the people with letters kind of need the shield more because they still could get banished. Yeah. So, and especially when you're hearing your name all the time and there's only so many few people left, it's almost impossible not to hear your name now. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I felt very tense watching this. Yeah, me too. Um, so they they have their metal detectors. They're trying to search in the woods until it goes off. I don't. I, I used a, a metal detector once at primary school. My only memory is that I, I it was a bit rubbish. I didn't. Have you ever used a metal detector? I'm trying to think of my memory, and I don't think. No, I haven't actually. I've never used one. Um, but. Watching this, I thought no, but I did think, and I don't know what you thought. Did you think it was a bit easy for them? Like for the challenge, it's meant to be quite hard, and it was almost like the, they were already there for them. Um, and I, I sort of thought, oh, can't you just tell what bit of the ground's been dug up? And it's really obvious. However, I spoke to Teresa recently, mm-hmm. who's going to be on the podcast. Teresa talked a little bit about this, and she said they very cleverly dug up lots of the earth so actually all of the earth was disturbed so you really couldn't tell where it was so so she said no it, it actually was really difficult to find them yeah and then i guess I mean, is that the yeah and then they're kind of wrapped up and sacks and you got to pull them out and then actually you've got this jigsaw that's got about 10 or 12 pieces in it and probably you're rushing so fast that you're not doing a jigsaw as well as you would normally do a jigsaw. So I guess with the, the pressure, it probably is really tough. Um, I <laughs> Lewis and Nigel are basically neck and neck in this game, it seems like. They're the two who are getting to the end fastest. There are a lot of pieces. That's the main thing that I've written down. Once they get the jigsaw okay. pieces out, it's not just like four bits that slot together and it's really obvious. So no. they're actually struggling to even get the pieces out of the sacks. Like Lewis thinks he's done it. And then he realizes actually the T for traitors on the shield pattern, it doesn't really line up properly. So actually he's got some pieces muddled up and he's racing to rearrange it. And and Nigel's doing the same thing at the same time. And it's getting really, really intense. But Lewis manages to get there. He rearranges it. He finishes. He leaps on the table. I wonder if they're <laughs> meant to do that. I wonder if they're told, right, when you're finished, jump on the table. I think not. I think Lewis is just really excited. <laughs> I mean, also, it's probably in his mind. I mean, if that, if, if, I mean, it was weird watching that challenge because you could see things and then Kate's running up with a little sack. And then they're all shot. And I was like, the sack is just giving me more anxiety than it should be because it's being literally fighting to get off with all this string. But yeah. it made me think that Lewis do jigsaws because he was actually nailing it in a way uh, Nigel wasn't. But I think when he jumped, it was probably, I mean, as a boost, broken all because I just thought you, he's probably is his name all day. And it's like these people are going for me. If I don't win this, Nigel's going to slap. Because I did find him a bit smarmy in that child. I was like, they're not with it again. <laughs> they can't be having another USR. They really want every shield. So I was like, when Lewis wants it, because then they're going to have to start thinking of plan B, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. I don't know if Lu- maybe Lewis is like some sort of jigsaw player, or I'm going to present another theory. I like to present theories sometimes about players that have absolutely no basis in truth. My theory about Lewis being really good at this is that, stick with me, Lewis is an electrician, he's a spaggy, so Lewis is probably very good at, like, <laughs> at like 
be like fiddling around with like manual like intricate th- like he has to like cut wires and like wire plugs and like mm. be really careful so maybe lewis is, is really good at this because he's good at like fitting things and like arranging things into places do you know it's better than my theory which was the gambler theory and like, i don't know what puzzles have to do with gambling like, <laughs> the best person that puts a puzzle wins money <laughs> it's not a bad it's better now it's even mine that's why i was giggling but uh, no, it actually, you've got a good point. It's more better than mine being his gambler than he likes to do <laughs> So, whatever his reason is for being good, Lewis wins. He jumps on the table. <laughs> he's so excited. However, no one is clapping for him. It's actually kind of awkward. Kate is just walking around behind him looking really annoyed. And Teresa just goes, What a load of shit. Uh, <laughs> um, Roger gives Lewis his shield. And they're all kind of just standing around with their arms folded. Paul is literally shaking his head and they just turn and walk away. And I thought, poor Lewis, like, yeah, you all were going to vote for him tonight at Banishment, but come on, like, it's a game, like, give him a break. Even, I mean, even when he walked in that door from to breakfast, I have never felt like I wanted to give someone a big hug because I thought the awkwardness, of, I mean, as much as I love Teresa, she could have a <laughs> You walked in, it's almost like, what are you doing here? Like, you almost got the vibe, and it was like, he's just won something. You're meant to be a team, and I've always commended the teamwork regardless, but in this moment, I was very disappointed, because it was like, could you not, like, shit on him anymore? Because he's already, like, you may as well just say, we don't let him care, get out of yourself. But still yeah. got to try and they still vote for them because I think yeah. Alex was the only one that didn't really. I think Alex was the only one that was like, well, fair enough, because I've got an actual insight, so you're fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think um, Lewis yeah. is just really a sweetheart. And I just, oh, yeah. throughout this whole series, I've thought, what has, what has Lewis ever done to upset anyone? Like, he's just always so smiley. Seems like he's he's really positive. Like he's, I think he's great. He's the Aaron of the UK. We must protect him at all costs. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how I felt watching him. Yeah. <gasps> Lewis and Aaron should like team up and do some sort of like um travel log together. I'm putting it out. There. I want an all I want an all stars weather on it together. It'd be very interesting to see. Yes. Do you know I think you mentioned that to me a while back. I've I've pushed for it. <laughs> and at first I thought I, d- I don't see it. I don't, I don't, can't imagine that. But the more that time goes on and the more success the traitors have, and the more that I speak to contestants, the more I think maybe this, this, this could be a thing eventually. They do Big Brothers All Stars, Drag Race All Stars, they have Survivor mm-hmm. series where it's kind of All Stars versions. Why not the traitors? And there's a lot of contestants that are similar. Maddie and Mark will be literally probably the most annoying pair with the traitors. Oh, can you imagine the the Maddie Mark oh. Detective Agency? Oh. Yeah, Maddie and Mark Marple. <laughs> I need to ask Mark if he oh. has watched the UK version and if he felt spiritually aligned with Maddie. I can't wait. <laughs> so we we return from the Shield Challenge. Mm-hmm. Then we get back to the hotel. Nigel is really worried. Craig's yeah. talking to him, and he just looks so uncomfortable. It's it's. I mean, Craig looks uncomfortable, I think. And even though they're they are pals, they're really close. I think Craig's starting to feel like there's a, there's something awkward going on. 
Um, yeah. I I think Nigel kind of knows that Craig might be about to turn on him. Mm. And then something really interesting happens. For the first time ever that we see on this series, Craig asks, do you think it could be Alex? And yeah. Nigel just says, no. And back to what you mentioned earlier, I, I've, I've written in my notes, was this a missed opportunity? Like, should Nigel at this moment have gone, hey, maybe it is Alex? I, I've written my notes. Alex's name comes up, but Nigel did not push it. What is he doing? Five exclamation marks. Like, the opportunity is there from Craig, who is close to Alex, yeah. in why not? And again, he has an opportunity in the car twice. He has an opportunity here. Where is he almost in my mind? And I didn't put this in my notes, but has he given up and thought, F it, I just want to go home because I can't be dealing with this anymore? Was there a bit of self doubt where he's like, <laughs> he was Keisha from the Sugar Babes, where he thought, I may as well just go because there's a new girl here? I love the Sugar Babes reference. Um, I, I don't think he's given up but i can imagine he's just got 50 different thoughts in his head at once and he's trying to balance all these different scenarios that maybe just when craig says that mm. he's just too busy thinking about mm. 20 other things that he doesn't see the opportunity to pick up on it mm -hmm. or i wondered is it a test from craig like maybe craig doesn't really think it's alex he's just putting it out there to see what nigel will do because he's think because Craig's thinking, I'm going to put out the most unlikely person. I'm going to put out Alex, who I love and we all think is really sweet. See what yeah. Nigel does, and Nigel recognizes that and thinks, no, Craig's really close to Alex. He doesn't really mean this, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to go along with it. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But Craig, then the thing is, Craig follows it up by saying, no matter what, you and I are going to be mates outside the show. Aww. So I I thought. And which is really sweet, but I thought he mm. might as well be saying, Nigel, I'm going to vote for you tonight, but I love you anyway. I thought that mm -hmm. was kind of his way of saying, look, we're mates. This is just a game. Heads up. You're probably going to get votes mm. tonight. We also see Kate talking to Paul and Alex, and she says that she's going for Nigel tonight. She says he's too quiet. He's never come under suspicion. And again, he jumped in the lake with the three other traitors that are, like she said look at the people who jumped in the lake it was the traitors alex is loving this alex is just like yes yes kate's perfect you do the talking i'll just go along with it Teresa is mega nervous um because they're all going for nigel but he's only their plan b like, she sure loses a traitor um and she even says that she suspects Paul over Nigel. So like she she doesn't really know what to do. She doesn't know what's going on. She's like doesn't know why everyone's going for Nigel. She doesn't really want to do that. And things become very awkward. Everyone's sneaking around in little groups to have these private discussions. And there's this moment where Teresa and Nigel are just left standing in the hallway incredibly uncomfortably. <laughs> And Nigel suspects that there's going to be another blindside like we just had with Marielle. Mm. And Teresa says, I think it's going to be either you or me. And I wonder if she's just saying this. Because I don't think she's really in danger at this point. No. I don't know. I don't know if she's just trying to make the conversation less awkward. I what mean, it, 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 I mean, 
again with the UK with the way that awkwardness was at the end. If this was, I felt this was worse because there was more people, and you could feel like no one wants to speak to them. And I was like, yeah, this is a game, but kind of just not sight because again, when you're Kate and that, and again, great player, lover. But you kind of think, give them the benefit of the doubt and just say, well, we think it's you, rather than speaking in a room, because, and you could literally see, you could almost see the head, like, you could just see the wheels cogging in his mind, you could see him thinking, but even when he blew, and I thought, this is uncomfortable viewing, and this isn't even just uncomfortable for them, I was like, so close <laughs> to the wasn't it? But I thought last time I did it on the UK, I sort of went back because I missed the massive portion because I was like watching it with my because it does make you uncomfortable because it's like school. Yeah. It's like a school environment where you're like, let's not invite them to the party. But it was just, but then in a way, he's done it with Marielle loads and they did it to their own traces with Angus and that. So it's like, how much sympathy can I have when it's all right, you're doing it, but now you're on the chopping block. And you couldn't really even blame Alice because she was just in the background, just like nodding and smacking. She just blends it in that background right away. Kate and, was it Paul? We're just yabbering about it. And Paul was quite shocking because I thought he was close to Nigel, so I was a little bit confused there. I think Paul But then you don't want to get on Kate's bad side because she can go for you and she has every receipt. Yeah. I think Paul is close to Nigel, but Mm -hmm. put the game above friendship and thought, yeah, I'm close to him, but I think Mm -hmm. he's a traitor, so it doesn't matter that I'm friends with him. Yeah. Yeah. But Nigel then kind of like kicks into high gear and he says he says he's going to save himself he's determined to not go down yeah. you know in this sinking ship so he he starts working his way around people and he's trying to pin them down to the truth but no one's been honest with him um and it i get i've mentioned this before but i'm going to mention it again it makes me think of big brother um mm-hmm. and one thing that's always struck me about the traitors is that it turns the Big Brother voting system on its head. Because in Big Brother, you're not allowed to discuss nominations and you have to keep them a secret. But in The Traitors, it's the complete opposite. And The Traitors, you actively are encouraged to discuss your nominations. And you'd think that might make things easier. But actually, I think it increases the tension and awkwardness because you're fo- oh. you're, fo- you're allowed to talk about who you're going to vote for. But it's so awkward to do that. It's when someone <laughs> comes up to you and says, like, who are you voting for? Are you going to vote for me? You don't want to say to their face, yeah, I'm probably going to vote for you. <laughs> um, so that's it makes it even more uncomfortable. At least in Big Brother, you can say, oh, can't tell you, not allowed to talk about that, well, and you're off the hook. Could, again, I'm thinking forward, could this be a rule that maybe changes? Not so much. I think in the past they may be shut, but I feel like coming up to banishments or there's a punishment, whatever that punishment would be, I don't know, because again, with Big Brother UK, like you said, there was a penalty of Europe for nomination. Maybe, I mean, I don't know how many death notes they'd be giving these, but these all be up for the But uh, I am thinking, because we have said traces have massive favour, but could there be a way they stop or minimise the talking before going in that room? Because the whole point of going in that room is to have a discussion. Whereas I felt for me they had that discussion right before. And again, going back to the UK final, when a certain contestant went, look, I'm done, I'm walking off. They don't want this. And that's what kind of worries me with, because Nigel could have just went, look, just 
Yeah, I think they probably won't change very much in respect to this because, mm -hmm. from what I understand, um, from speaking to lots of mm -hmm. the contestants, actually one of the things that probably is quite reflective of reality is they they actually are very controlled about when they're allowed to talk to each other. I hadn't even realised this until quite recently speaking to several of the players. When we see them before the banishment room having all their little discussions, <laughs> that takes place over a very short period of time. Um, and actually, most of the time they spend there, they are in their rooms and they are not allowed to speak to each other. So they're... In, I think I think even more than the UK version, they're very, very controlled in terms of when they're allowed to interact. So they spend loads of time in the room. Mm -hmm. They'll be brought downstairs and told, right, you've got 20 minutes to talk to each other, go. Yeah. Um, so I think it probably already is really tight. And mm -hmm. they prob I think they I think the producers probably like seeing them have their little secret talks in little pairs and trios because okay. it's quite it's so uncomfortable. So when the camera's on on them, the way Drag Race does it, you're on ice, meaning that no talk when the camera's on rolling. Is that how it is there? Yeah, yeah, very much like that. Which would explain why in the previous episode, mm -hmm. I talked a bit about when Kate and Teresa get in the car to go off to the mission and Kate cannot wait to tell Teresa what, what she heard Marielle say. And that is because... They've had no other opportunity to speak. Up until then, they're told, do not talk um, to each other about the game. Only talk once you're in the car, the door's closed, and the engine starts, pretty much. So, yeah, they're 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 very, very, very controlled about when they're allowed to speak to each other. That's a bit like me when I have some traces news for you, and I, I like, what's that you've been using? I'm like, I need to send it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you're one of my main sources for, like, the TT News segment, so uh, that's very helpful. So, we um, we we basically are heading into banishment now, and it looks like Nigel's in big trouble. But we know that he wants to save himself as much as he can. Uh, yeah. I think again, Roger and production are shoving them in a particular direction. I think there's quite a lot of prompting because he gives this speech at, at the banishment room. And it's very much focused on friendship and not being blinded by friends. So I feel like that's very aimed at Craig and Nigel. Uh, or maybe it's just aimed at everybody because they're kind of all, we're episode 10, they're all probably quite close now and they all know each other yeah. fairly well. So I feel mm -hmm. like that's a deliberate attempt to provoke the players and not make them stick to their friendships. So Nigel kicks off the discussion and he immediately points to Lewis as a traitor. And he just upfront lies about being a faithful um, he says he's a faithful and he has been from the start. So he's just, he's going all in. He's like, if I'm going to save myself, I'm going to just have to bare-faced lie. Uh, but then Paul gets another little bit of screen time here and he reacts. And he says, you shouldn't have to say you're a faithful all the time. But, you know, I kind of think you do. <laughs> I think if you're under suspicion, like Nigel is, then yeah. you kind of... You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I think if you don't say you're a faithful, everyone picks up it and goes, You've I've never heard you say that you're a faithful. And then if you do say I'm a faithful, people go, <laughs> Why are you saying you're a faithful all the time? So I, I think there's many Yeah, exactly. There's not really any way out of it that you're not going to get criticized. 
Craig turns to Nigel uh, and he says, look, we're really close, but he admits you, you would have been the perfect recruit. So he thinks that if Nigel's a traitor, it's because he's a recruit. Little does he know. And Nigel then cleverly does tell the truth here. He says, hand in heart, I was not recruited. And that is true. But then he <laughs> follows it up with another complete lie. He says, I've not yeah. deceived people. I have not lied. And that's a lie. Mm. So there's a slight pause then, possibly just in the editing, before Alex speaks up. And Alex, mm -hmm. it's just this brilliant moment because Alex suddenly goes, can I just? And as soon as she says, can I just? you know what she's about to do. She is about to turn on Nigel. Um, she's making sure that she's on the right side of the vote again. Because like I said earlier, she has voted for every traitor to be banished so far. So mm -hmm. she's making damn sure she does it again. She sees what's happening. And I think she just thinks, right, Nigel's going, I need to get in on that too. Um, she brings up the whole shield and lake thing. He just says he's competitive and that he didn't want to be banished or murdered. And again, says he uses the phrase as a faithful. So then now maybe I thought, okay, you're saying it, you've said it again, maybe a bit too obvious, calm it down. And then something else gets brought in against Nigel. Kate interjects and Kate mm -hmm. asks, why didn't you vote out Marielle last week? He claims that he had this plan with Craig and some others to blindside Lewis. But then Craig basically refutes that and says, no, no, Nigel, that's that's not what was happening. So it is not looking good for Nigel. And so Kate asks him, well, who do you think the traitors are? He says he thinks Therese was converted. Kate points out that he never spotlighted the actual traitors in their discussions throughout the competition, so that's weird. Um... <laughs> I think that Nigel began the banishment really well, but I think as it goes on, his panic does start to show a bit, and you can see that he's looking really, really anxious. Like he is mm -hmm. breathing heavier, he even yeah. looks a bit sort of red-faced, and he's clasping his mm -hmm. hands. Now, we know we know that these these banishment rooms go on for hours and we see like five minutes of it. So so maybe we're seeing things out of order and Maybe, I mean, at this point, Nigel's probably been defending himself for about two hours straight, so he probably is, like, out of breath. Yeah. But the votes are then, it's time for the votes to come in. Uh, we'll, we'll go through them one by one. Teresa mm -hmm. votes for Paul, which for me was completely unex... Well, well, I think she did mention him earlier, but it was quite a strange vote. Maybe just because we see so little of Paul. So she votes for Paul. It's then Lewis. Lewis votes for Nigel. So Nigel does have his first vote. Nigel votes for Teresa. And Craig, it's it's then Craig. It's clearly so difficult for him. He says that this has been the toughest day for him so far and that this is breaking his heart. I just want to like cry for Craig here. And he said he turns over his slate and he's voted for Nigel. Then it's Alex. She votes for Nigel. We knew it. We saw it coming. <laughs> Paul does the same, votes for Nigel. It's already a foregone conclusion, but Kate votes for Nigel too. Um, I noticed here, by the way, Kate's got really cool handwriting. Like she she writes the names in like this really edgy, like capital letter way. I mean, she is a photographer, so she's obviously very artistic. Um, it just caught my attention here. 
So it's Nigel. He's got all these votes. He's going to be banished. He stands up and he makes his banishment speech. And I, I found it really moving. Like he said, it actually looks like he, he, he could start crying. He says, it's been an honour to sit around the table with such amazing people. It's really sweet. And then he reveals the truth about his background. He tells them he was... And, and we know this as viewers because he told us this very early on in the series. Yeah. Although it's, it's not been mentioned all the time, so it could be easy to forget. He tells them that he's one of Australia's longest-held living captives and that he spent 460 days in Somalia. He wrote a best-selling memoir. He's worked for three of the three of the world's leading crisis response companies. Everyone looks totally shocked, and I think that they think he's about to tell them that, oh, I'm a, I'm a faithful, I'm such a good guy. But then he keeps going, and he says, and I'm a traitor. There is... Even more screaming than the last time. Kate's reactions are always the best. She just gets yeah. so excited. She's always like jumping up, screaming, hugging yeah. people. Craig cannot believe it. We see this brilliant shot of Craig, but in, in a nice way, I think. Like Craig is shocked, yeah. but he's kind of smiling. Like he's like, I can't believe my pal was like playing this yeah. game so well. So it's, he's not like horrified and angry, I don't think. He just, mm -hmm. he's just, so surprised we then cut to the car and we see nigel having his interview as he exits and he drives off well it's driven off he admits that his tactic was to use his connection with craig and then it obviously didn't work he's really impressed with alex and her betrayal i mean i'm sure it hurts but he's impressed by it <laughs> and we go back to the banishment room and roger sort of ruins the excitement and brings them all back down to earth and he reminds them that either Craig, Paul, or Kate will still be murdered tonight because they were all in death row and none mm -hmm. of them won the shield. So it's off to Traitor's Tower and it's just Alex who's left. It's it's so weird. Um, it, we, we have all these cut scenes as well that we always see, like yeah. these creepy scenes. It's giving me Da Vinci Code. Um, it's very haunting. Yeah. It's very like choral music, lots of stained glass windows. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, Tom Hanks is about to appear and solve a murder. Alex comes <laughs> into Traitor's Tower and just says, sorry, Nigel, that's a bit awkward. And then there's a note on the table for her. So she reads the note to us. It says, Alex, you are now the lone traitor, which means you must recruit. You may choose one faithful to join you. Should they accept, the new blood will become a traitor immediately. So she starts thinking about who she's going to pick. So she, she says that she needs someone manipulative and conniving who can think 10 steps ahead. And she writes down a name in secret that we don't get to see. We've got a little cutscene again. We see the, what's supposed to be Alex, but it's not really Alex, walking through the corridor. And a note slips under one of the doors. <laughs> and it's Kate. So Kate's been chosen. She reads her note. It says, you have been chosen to join the traitors. Do you accept this offer or refuse love from the traitors? And I I think, you know, we know we, we're not going to do any spoilers for the next episode. I think no, no, no. surely she's going to accept. And I think, what, what do the producers do if they refuse? Like, what if she said, no, I don't want it? Would they just have Alex alone because it's very unlikely but what, what imagine this what if kate refused 
the Alex has just left as the one traitor. What if Alex then got banished in the next episode? Mm. So, I mean, what do you think about this? I thought that. Um, but can I say one thing? Yes. Right, jump at this in the cause. You do know she accepts us because it shows at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm I saying. Thinking, sorry. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking. I was like, oh, but yeah. Uh, you're yeah, totally right. I've got it in the rest of my notes. Uh, I just didn't read ahead. You're right. It shows us in this no, episode, um, so it's not a spoiler at all. Can I, can I give my thoughts to the banishment room as well? Because there is some bits that I literally... if There was a bit I caught out saying, and I thought, if days have listened, days have caught on to it. But can I add that in in a minute? Yeah. Uh, tell us tell us now. Right. So, um, so, I don't like how Roger kind of guides them like this fairies hail and like just let them deal with it get the EPs out and this is what I don't like about their version um, but I felt really sorry for when so Alex had said she's looking at the person she was close to meaning Nigel but to me she never was close to Nigel what she should have said is people we have not looked at before as a thingy the fact she said close to if the contestants were clues in They'd be thinking, well, she's kind of egging him on in the car. She isn't close to him at all. She's a traitor. Yeah. And I thought if these just looked in a little bit more, that was the one giveaway she's given them that she's a traitor. Yeah. But it's almost like she's that good that it was almost like she did it in such a flippant way. But I thought as a contest as a, as a viewer and not a contestant, um saying that would have made me think oh my god, she's a tracer, because she's never been close to Nigel. If anything, she's tried to push him on so far in there. So she just went, look, we're going for someone who we haven't looked at before, and it's you, because he hasn't come up ever. And that's why I thought he was a bit cocky and a little bit, and it was a bit weird how he got so high and mighty. But I thought if she just changed that word, she'd have not... Again, am I thinking too deep into that? But no. I do think it was a giveaway because she hasn't given anything away except that one sentence where she went, the one person I'm close to. The only time she's close to him is at that traitor's power. She is not with him any other time. Yeah, I hadn't even picked up on that. And you're right, it probably didn't make, or didn't like ring true. But then also, like you said, no one seemed to notice it. So I guess she got away with it. Yeah. So I wonder if... The situation had arisen where Kate refused. Might they have gone back to Alex and said, she's refused, can he pick someone else? I've made a note about this. I wondered, has she gone to producers beforehand? Or just as she got that letter, they paused thingy and said, give us two to three names. Possibly from ah. the heart and the letter. Because if she's a done Paul Nigel, eh, not Paul, if she's a done Paul Craig and... Alex, that it not yeah, Alex, that would have been unfair because they're all on death row. So the problem goes maybe two three names. She may have said maybe Craig, let us say Theresa, Lewis, and Kate. And then if Kate had refused, obviously she's a friend, probably bye-bye. And then they went, look, we'll put letters under the others just in case. Yeah. That that's that what says... I'm wondering. That's quite, yeah, that sounds quite plausible that they might. The only thing is, if Kate had then refused, 
and they said, right, we'll just give one of the other letters. The next day, she could have, she would have told everyone, oh, I got offered to be a recruit last night and I refused. Unless she was chosen to be made to buy then. And again, oh, I'm yeah. just thinking of my production hat on, would they have That's said to the true. other two, do not open this letter? Unless then production come in and go, look, open the letter. Yeah. Because yeah. we all know this is, and it ruins my illusion. But... <laughs> Sadly, we know this is going to become like Drag Race, where it all becomes a big open secret. Which, again, they're lucky that they can change bits of it, but it wouldn't surprise me if they had backup letters plans for mm-hmm. two other people. Yeah, yeah, I could believe that. Uh, so, luckily though, you know, Kate does accept. Oh, um, yeah. It's really funny though, because she's, she's laughing when she reads it, and she says, this is not what I wanted. And I think, why not? Because A, you're on death row, so surely this is great. You're saying earlier. And B, you're really clever and you know how this game works now. You surely want to be a traitor because you know you've got a bit of an advantage. Maybe I don't maybe she just said it flippantly. And she what she meant was this isn't what I expected rather than wanted. But but we she's gonna accept anyway. We cut back to Traitor's Tower. I know this is sort of unusual in a way for the traitors because it's happened so quickly like we we have a banishment we go to traitors tower it's alex she's got a letter she's got to pick someone she picks them we see the person she picked the person she picked chooses the person she picked goes back to traitors like it's it's sort of very fast paced which i think is unusual normally we'd be left on a cliffhanger and we'd wait till the next Mm -hmm. episode but they're squeezing it all in so kate accepts um the first the, I was just in heaven watching this the first time. I thought this, this was like the peak of my fandom. This is when I thought I, I'm obsessed with this. I need to do a podcast in the show. It's so exciting. Kate mm-hmm. arrives in her mask and cloak, and she sits in Nigel's old seat. Very symbolic. She removes her mask. Alex does the same, but I sort of thought Kate's reaction was quite <gasps> muted. Like I thought she was gonna be going oh my god it's you i can't believe it but she kind of just smiles and like laughs a bit i thought she'd be so much more shocked what did you think i have to say oh my god i have to say something you know and you've just talked the way it's out my mouth if it was a weird thing like she wasn't shocked, but again it makes me think was she on her list because even though i'm saying what i said about what she said before did kate think oh she slipped up there because I think, but it's not worth it because no one's going to go for it. And Kate's been on the chopping block more than a few times. Um, but when she took the mask off, I was like, I was like, oh, two women, this is going to be fun. And then I was thinking, oh, new show the baseline of Swazi to get. I need one more member. Um, but I was just thinking, this is going to be fun because I think we're always used to seeing two guys. Yeah. I was kind of like, with like you know, just not that like I was like, oh, finally two women who are really strong hazards, best players that is. Um, but I did have a theory. Should she have been allowed to pick someone from Death Row, or should she have been allowed to pick Lewis or Teresa? Because it does feel a bit unfair that she's just off Death Row now. Uh, yeah. You mean should Kate have been involved in that should decision? Should Kate have been? Well, should Kate not have been allowed to have been a choice? Should they have let Lewis and Theresa? But I have another theory. Could she have said them and they rejected it and then she had to pick Kate? Again, my head's working overdrive now. <laughs> I, I, who knows? I have no idea. 
It's I've, an interesting theory. My guess is that Alex probably Kate was her first choice. Yeah. And Kate just accepted. I think mm. Alex probably picked her because she knew that she would accept. Mm. And yeah, I think it probably did go fairly straightforwardly. Like they, they would have yeah. had a backup plan, but did you were you like me surprised that Kate wasn't more surprised when she saw yeah, Alex? Sorry. Um yeah, because it was just again, it made me think, did she know? Because it was more like I'm not surprised, but she was clever for not saying it because my God, she's been ruthless. Yeah. I yeah, I just I expected a huge shock because I get no one's ever suspected Alex. This must have been like a scream reveal, like in the movie, like where you go, Oh my god, it's you. But yeah, she she seems like she's just kind of smiling and laughing about mm. it. My, I, I guess one one theory. I I've got another theory. <laughs> Maybe she, I mean, Kate walks into the room and sees Alex sitting there with the robe and the mask. Maybe mm-hmm. she just immediately, like, based on her physicality. Maybe Alex is quite well. She's a model, so she's probably tall. Maybe she just looks at her in the cloak and is like, "Well, that doesn't look like Craig." It doesn't look like Teresa. It doesn't look like a guy. Um, and maybe she could see like her hands and saw her nails and just thought, all oh, right, somebody with mm. their nails done. That's Alex's hat. Maybe she just <laughs> clocked her straight away, even without the mat, without seeing her face. Then sat down and was like, okay, it's, all right, it's mm. Alex. I mean, as a viewer, interestingly as well, when she was taking the mask off, I was like, that doesn't even look like Alex. It always looks like they brought someone back. <laughs> maybe in her mind, she was like, oh, they brought, because to be honest, and I'll be honest, it actually looked like Marielle's hair when she was taking it off. And I was like, that looks like Marielle more than Alex. Um, because again, they're around, I want to say they're around the same height, but I'm not sure. Um, but as soon as she took that mask off, which luckily, thank God, I finally got one, and the masks that's a troll, and, and they are hot, so I only imagine she was like, what? Alex then reveals to Kate that she was the recruit. And now Kate, she's kind of warming up to the idea and she says, well, thanks, glad to be here. And Alex says, guess what? We get to murder someone tonight. And of course, it can only be Craig or Paul now. They were on death row, as was Kate. But, you know, Kate can't murder herself. <laughs> so it's only one of those two. They they realise that if they murder Paul, it might help make Craig look like he's a traitor, but they don't know if people will believe it. If they murder Craig, it might make Teresa look like the traitor. I'm not totally sure why. They they think that they can send people her way. They think they can direct the vote towards Teresa next time. And then they'd still have Paul around. And so mm-hmm. maybe I think they mean that they can use him later, although they don't really explain. And the episode ends now on a cliffhanger. Will it be Paul or will it be Craig? I, I think I know what you're going to say, but overall, mm-hmm. what did you think of the episode? Was this a good one? Oh, it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, and if I had to choose, I'd actually get rid of Craig. Okay. It's it's a really interesting one because it feels bad about Paul because he hasn't been seen, so it's like he makes the most sense production-wise. But I think Craig, because 
but then you keep Craig because he's so easy to navigate. If you were a traitor, he's like so easy. He's like a pet that you can almost just go like do that for me. Um, I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but he's very much what they need, which is someone to listen to and feed to. But now, brilliant episodes. I do wish as well, when they're doing votes, do you think they should be allowed to give a reason why they voted for them? Because I am starting to get a bit of thinking of, I've picked you and it's like, well, why? What have they done? Do you mean when I they don't... reveal, when they turn over the slate? Exactly. When they turn the slate, give me a reason why you are voting. Like Big, Bro- Big Brother, for example, where they have to say they can't just go, oh, because you're like, they were told at one point they couldn't say there was a reason why because I don't think you get any nominations they were barred from saying that yeah. but it's like I want reasons from why you are voting because it was like when Paul and Theresa it was like why are you voting for Paul and why are you voting for Theresa don't just put the name give me a reason I reckon it's probably just because they've already spent two hours three hours talking about oh, it so yeah. yet for the viewers maybe sometimes we don't know why they've written a certain name but in the room they probably all know like they've all been talking for hours so they probably mm. all know why they're voting for each other and i guess maybe at that point they don't really want any more discussions so if you turn over your slate and say i voted for lewis and here's why lewis might be tempted <laughs> to like argue back so maybe they're just like just say the name move on and someone could give like a 15 minute reason and someone could give like a <laughs> one minute like you upset me today, and someone's like, well, you annoyed me doing this, and then I was like, it didn't go down. Yeah, that's true. Do you think Kate was the best choice for a recruit by Alex? Yeah, she was the only choice. Like, again, if it wasn't, they're probably thinking now, if Marielle and that could go back in time, we should have picked Kate, because she was on the list of Trezars to recruit. So, Looking back, you probably think we should have just done Kate because I, I think Kate, I wonder how Kate would have played it if she's a female. Tra- I think she's a played it probably the way Alex was doing. And in a way, she did shove that off on one of the votes. She kind of convinced everyone that she was not. So it would have been interesting. And then she'd have had the best gameplay because no one would have suspected it again. So it would have been interesting to see if. Case has been in now, and if she's picked out, I always think I do think like that weirdly parallel universe. Will Case have picked Alex? Yeah, yeah, it's but then what was happened to poor Case? Yeah, I have um, a final couple of questions to ask you about a sort of quite broad questions. You made me think of something a few minutes ago. You you suggested you 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 accidentally made me think of something. You said that when Uh, Alex took the mask off. She actually, for a moment, looked like it could be Marielle. And of course, Marielle was banished. But that made me think, what if in future seasons there was a way for banished players to come back? Like maybe they couldn't do it. I mean, they need to get down the numbers, right? They've only got so many episodes. (laughs) But in shows like, well, in Drag Race or in Big Brother, there's this, this habit that evolves as the series go on where we see evicted people or eliminated people sometimes come back for some reason. I wonder if in future versions of the traitors, might there come a point, you know, three quarters of the way through the season when one banished player is allowed to return? What do you think of that idea? 
you know, I was only giggling because I'm thinking of the lip sync Lala Perusa. I mean, it's rocking me so much as it's a Lala Perusa from like three to there's four of them and they've all gonna like walk in a way or something, like to be selectors. Do you know what? They need to, but then we're saying we can't give the traces too much because they already have so much in their favour. So maybe it'd be interesting as well if you could shift it and say maybe Marielle comes back as a faithful. Yeah. And maybe she has to prove because with Big Brother and that way, like, I think a lot of people don't remember every time with Big Brother they have to do some silly trial for like a shopping list. So and then if they think he's if they could stay or these have to go. So I don't know how Marielle would have to explain she was like a faithful because these have they almost have like a preconceived notion of shit. Is she one of is she a thingy? But I think maybe they have to do another trial. Maybe they have to do one of the trials before maybe have four of them come back, two faithfuls, two traces. Except Nigel because he's just gone. But there has to be ways this game has changed. And at the minute it is heavy on the traces, but if you bring traces back as faithfuls, that actually might balance the odds. Or some new character like that crystal maze lady that you mentioned a while ago <laughs> with money. Um maybe have a like a seer and if because there's a few reasons I don't want to travel on too much, but I do have maybe if <laughs> if they say a name and they're not put up they're not banished, then the traces can't murder for the nice so everyone gets to sleep. There just needs to be like a seer or some or a faithful becomes a seer and they work for the traitors and the faithfuls, but they've got to try and sway the faithfuls. There just needs to be something for traitors to feel less powerful, but then you need twists to keep this game more. Like maybe like when Matt, like in the UK where a contestant was offered so much money and they could take it. Maybe do that, but say if you take it, the truth is you're not getting the money, you're a tracer. And that's the thing he as they drive away, they drive to the tracers thing and the life look you the tracer. Yeah, yeah. Because they need to add I think They've done it good. I prefer it with four. It makes it more fun. Try it with five. Yeah. I had I've realized two things actually. One is I'm I'm saying, oh, imagine a world where they brought back players. And then they did do this. Of course they did it in the UK. Because in the very first episode, Amos and Kieran are are sent sorry if you've not seen the UK traitors. This is not too much of a spoiler. That's what I was trying to be. Amos and Kieran where they get kicked out immediately within the first 10 minutes of the show, but then they reappear in about episode four or five. I think it's maybe four. They they do come back into the game. So it, actually, it has happened already. And the second thing I realised is there's a major flaw here. They can't bring back a, trait, a banished traitor. Like, they couldn't bring back Marielle because she knows who the traitors are. <laughs> so she would either tell everybody oh yeah um, by the way the traitors are this person and this person or even if they told her look you're coming back as a faithful don't tell it what, what's she then going to do at the banishment room like why, how she's meant in you know who's she going to vote for so that wouldn't work but unless she maybe, was there yeah unless she had some new role or the the if you're a traitor and you're banished you're gone forever you're dead Maybe it's faithfuls who've been wrongly banished. At some point, maybe episode nine, they say, we're going to bring back all the faithfuls you wrongly banished. 
and you get to choose one of them to come back into the game, or the traitors get to pick one of them to come back, or something like that. Not maybe. You know maybe what? I mean, if I'm doing with another MJ speech, like that, just someone I would not want back as a traitor. Um, they all come back like these dead zombies or something, like give them like a Halloween <laughs> But now I think, but I have had another theory: the shields. So say there's a shield and sometimes the murder. Say if there's a, you know, immune from murder but not banishment. This is an interesting way. And I'm scared that might happen and contestants might listen to this and cotton on. But <laughs> say they get banished when they've got the shields, because this did happen in Holland, which I think is why they made this role for the um I've only seen three, but this happened where it went. But instead of when they're banished with the shields, they automatically become a tracer. But they're not in the game, they're just like a seer, but they are like the ruler. They're almost like the Diablo Grim Reaper of the Tracers, they're the boss. Yeah. They get the final decision. Yeah. Or but they're they... not in any activities, so no one sees them. Mm-hmm. And then I feel sorry for them in the end if that Diablo player just waltzes in at the end with the money. Or I thought you were going to suggest that maybe if someone has the shield... Is protected from murder, but gets banished, or vice versa. They're protected from banishment, but they get murdered. Maybe they've got the responsibility of passing on the shield, and they get to choose who gets it next. Something like that. That's because it does have to. There has to be some. I mean, again, it's a balance because I think the traitors have too much power at the minute, and it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like I say, if they get it wrong, then. Say they do groups and then the face, but then the UK does that and just ruins the shields. So it, it's very much, it, it's interesting and I'm really intrigued. And I'm guessing they've got plans already for each season. Like they've probably got like a 10 year plan <laughs> of where this show's going because, but then I wonder if it'll get a bit like, I don't know how this is going to work to be in there for months, but maybe like public. <laughs> public banishments where the public vote for banishments like I'm a celeb but I don't know whether keeping people locked in that environment for two months would be very beneficial to the mental health yeah you couldn't really do public voting banishments because the public know who the traitors are so the public would just vote unless you do what you said in the other episodes and there's you change the rules and we never know yeah yeah could do could do I have a final question for you You've, we've mentioned uh, the idea of Traitors All-Stars a couple of times. If you could pick three players from the Traitors Australia to come back for an All-Stars version, which three players... And it doesn't have to be three who are still in it. It could be any three from the whole season. Which three would you pick to come back? From the the Australian? From Australia. So, so let's let's just do Faithfuls to make a fair. Okay. Um... And that also was case out, which is annoying because it's not fair to show you. I would say, I'm thinking the people that were made, banished or murdered. I think, I think, what was the one that looked like Claire calls? Was it Tessa? Olivia? Olivia. I'd have Olivia back. Um, Why Olivia? Um, That's really interesting. Do you know what? Because I think people are kind of confused with Claire all the time. <laughs> but I also think with a forensic job, I think there's more mm, to it. Like, yeah. Stuff about stupid car storyline that ruins the chances 
Like that basically was their entire arc. So I'd like to see her without a mix-up of the story arc. Um, let's think of a guy. And we won't, we said Mark before, so Mark will be like an honorary mention. Do you know what? I'm thinking Dick. Yeah, yeah. I think he could be quite fun. And let's go with another female. Hmm, that is tough. Um, Oh, what was her name? Sandra. I'd love to have seen her because she was really on that ball. And I think she... Because I always think the early ones are sometimes the best contestants. Yeah. Um. So for every Dahlia Sin and Drag Race, you get like a catcher's aid, so you know it's got potential. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think them three would be probably the most interesting. I would have said Fee, but I found Fee wound me up in the end because... No, only because she did what Matt did to Thingy. When Matt went nuts, I found she was losing it and no one picked her up on it. And I was raging at my partners watching it. I was like, she's doing exactly what she told Matt not to do and no one's saying nothing to her. But I did like her as a contestant. She would be my number one choice to come back. Uh, She was on my list. Yeah. I love... um... There's I like Dark would be really funny as well, and Mark mm-hmm. and Teresa. I think Fee's time was cut short to her. I feel like yeah. imagine she'd been in it to the end, she would have been hilarious in the final. Uh so mm-hmm. she just made me laugh so much. Yeah, I mean it'd be interesting seeing them as traces, because I think what about these people that never got to be a tracer? How would they change? Like, how would Mark and like a Maddie be as traitors, they'd be absolutely, they'd literally have to change their entire outlook. But it would be interesting them doing the normal outlook, but yeah. then they get bad as well. So I do, it is interesting. I do want to do an all stars discussion at some point because I have thoughts about this since the beginning. Yeah, maybe we are going to manifest it. So mm. uh, we're almost at the end of our game, The Trader Traitor. Yeah. Um, and briefly before we get there, I'm going to hand over to you. You can either I didn't I didn't warn you about this in advance. You can either tell oh, us about social yeah. media or and where we can find you. Or do you have any recommendations for shows that we should be watching right now? Oh, I do. If you, if you like birds and mysteries, and if you've ever watched Father Brown, there's a spin-off show called Sister Boniface. Okay, I don't even know what Father Brown is. <laughs> Never mind. So, it's an old show about this like. It's basically played by the guy who played Ron Weasley's dad, and he's like a oh, yeah. and he rides the bike, but it's been going for 10 seasons, and years ago they had this nun in it, and she's got a spin-off show. And if anyone's ever watched Bones, she's like Temperance Brennan meets an eccentric British nun. It's mad, but she's really funny. I'd recommend that show, it's quite good. Okay, that sounds cool. Right, I need to write this down. Um, yeah, I'm sold. I was sold on Ron Weasley's dad. I was in. So, <laughs> Joe, we've been playing the Trader Traitor. Ooh. Ah. We were yeah. trying to lie to one another. Joe, did you lie to me at some point? Yes. Okay. I also lied to you. What do you think I lied to you about? I know stick. I didn't know so last time. All the time before. Did you not use a metal detector at school? That was a lie. Yes, you caught me. It was a lie. 
I kind of didn't really think I was getting away with that one. How did you know that was a lie? So when you said it, and I was on the Alex, because as you were doing it, when I'm looking off into space, like, it's me, because I'm trying to think of stuff in the episodes and little bits like Alex's speech that I didn't want to forget because I thought, I don't know how many people watching it or in the game knew about it. And I was like, so when I'm doing me off, it's not me, oh, I'm feeling unwell. It's me just thinking, oh, I'm trying to catch up. But as you said it, I was like, right, I'm on the Alex train in the ads. And I'm like, nah, just slipping off. And as you said that, I was like, well, they're slipping off there. And I was like, right, let's note that down. Otherwise, I'll forget, which I've done the last two times. So, yeah, I just thought when you said it, I was like, there's not an else you could have said that, uh, unless when we talked about like, the suction stuff. But I was just thinking that's the only thing that felt personal that you'd mentioned. Oh, no, now you're going to give me like seven next time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now, next time I'm just going to talk about myself <laughs> after every sentence. Um, Joe, I have no idea what you lied about. I Usually I've got my little notepad and I write things down as we go. I, I'm stumped. Like, at no point did you say something that I thought, oh, that's, that's a possibility. So, right, I'm going to, I can't just give in. I'm going to have to guess something. My, what am I going to guess? I think if you lied about anything, it was something about the show. I don't remember you saying anything about like yourself. So, unless you made up Sister Boniface, <laughs> that's real. Um, what? This was my only guess. Was it because I didn't notice it? Was it that Alex said? Um, she was gonna. She needed to focus on who she was close to, but she didn't actually say that. No, she said that. <laughs> okay, in that case, I have no idea. You have betrayed me. What did you lie about? Sarah, this is me speaking to the universe and anyone in the show listening. Please send me. I said I whipped off my mask. I've got one of them masks at home. When she took a mask off, Alex, I said I had one that I've whipped out and it's hot underneath them. I wish I had one. My partner wants to get me one, but I said, wait till the show gets more bigger. <laughs> Jesus, please send me a cake and a mask. <laughs> it's the mask. Totally, totally passed me by. I can't believe I didn't pick up on that. Joe, you've, you've, you've become the master of this game, basically. I, <laughs> you've, you've listened to the podcast so much, you've just become an expert at it. And I've watched the shows like Yeah, you've watched so much traitors. You've just you've become a traitor, a true traitor. Well done. I can't <laughs> believe I lost. Joe, thank you so much for joining me again on the trader. Uh, it's been great. We've had so much to talk about. Yeah. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye bye. Hello, Traitor listeners. Thanks again to Joe for helping me deep dive into episode 10 of The Traitors Australia. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, then you'll know what's coming next. Yes, I spoke to banished traitor Nigel all about his time on the show, and of course, we played The Traitor Traitor. That interview is available right now, and I'm assuming you're going to listen to it right now, which means you'll hear from me again very soon. 
If for some mad reason you're taking a break, you can keep up with me on Instagram at the Tradar Podcast or Twitter at the Tradar Pod, or you can email me at the Tradar Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay faithful. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.